What's up, guys? It's been a minute. I uh, didn't do a podcast last week, for those of you who noticed. If you did notice, thank you. If you didn't notice, fuck you. Um, and I don't usually do my podcast this early in the week, but I had a pretty rough weekend, and I figured that, fuck it. I need to share the good, the bad, and the ugly, and uh, this weekend was definitely the ugly. We're going to get into it. It's going to be messy. I'm probably going to cry a little bit, just warning you, but uh, I'll try and make you laugh as well so you don't drive into a tree while you're listening to this. Um, I do, however, definitely need a glass of wine for this, and uh, if you are South African, and you are listening to this. Level two, baby! So excited. From tomorrow, we can pitch us booze. You can pitch us cigarettes. I swear to God, if I had to listen to my mother complain about her cheap cigarettes one more time, I was actually going to kill myself. But here we go. Here's some wine. And a little more. Because I don't have to save. And maybe a little more. Oh, you know what? Let me just finish it. Oh, shit. Oh, too much. Fuck. Okay. So hold on. Oh, made a mistake. Slight miscalculation. Nothing to worry about. Um, I have a stemless wine glass. Because I don't trust myself with the expensive glasses that my husband purchased for me. Uh, I got Carol Boy's glasses. Excuse me. But, yeah. Let's not break one of those. So, guys, how have you all been? Good, good. I've been better. I had a panic attack on Saturday night that was, quite frankly, one of the most terrifying things that has ever happened to me. And my entire family was here. They all legitimately thought I was dying. And I thought that it was the perfect opportunity to do a podcast about anxiety and anxiety attacks and the taboo on the subject, how people who struggle with anxiety and more, more specifically anxiety attacks are deemed weak, are deemed pathetic, um, <laughs> I'll get into what my mom said on Saturday night, which was also fun. But uh, yeah, it's just, and you know what the thing is, and this is something that I am ashamed to admit, but uh, I'm hoping that y'all won't judge me. Before I had my first panic attack, which I'll tell you guys about, before I had my first one, I was one of those people. I was that asshole. I remember when my sister, my older sister has struggled with anxiety and panic attacks her entire life. She has been diagnosed with bipolar. She has it under control and she's doing amazingly well. But she did go through a stage where she really battled and she used to have panic attacks that would debilitate her for days afterwards. And I remember... I don't even I don't even think I kept these thoughts to myself, which I'm a little bit ashamed about, but I mean you guys can't be entirely surprised by that. I remember literally saying to my husband, like, oh my fuck, are you actually joking? Is she still carrying on about that? Like, really? 
Like, it's just your mind. Like, just fucking snap out of it. Just say to your body, fuck you, I'm in control, and fucking get over it. Like, I don't get it. And what does she have to be upset about or anxious about? That's the question people always ask. Why would you have panic attacks? Like, there's some level of shit that your life has to be at for it to be acceptable for you to have a panic attack. Like, how fucked up is that? But anyway, I used to be one of those people. I was a judgmental dickhead when it came to this kind of thing. And I I tried to be understanding because I do have quite a few people in my life who do struggle with mental disorders and with anxiety. And I did try to be understanding, try being the operative word, but I was never empathetic. I, I mean... I was pathetic, not empathetic. Uh, to anyone who I was a dick to back in the day, I do sincerely apologize because um, the universe dealt me a big old bag of fuck you <laughs> to teach me this lesson swiftly and traumatically. So my first panic attack I had when the twins were about three months old. I thought that I was okay. I thought that I was doing all right. I never went to see someone after the twins were born. And their birth was extremely traumatic. The fact that my body failed me, in my opinion at the time, and was not able to keep them growing and was not able to keep them safe for the full 38 weeks that we had planned and the fact that they had to spend three weeks in ICU and I only got to see them every day sometimes every second day and I just felt completely detached from them and it was such a polar opposite to my first birthing experience with my firstborn I had a completely natural drug-free water birth she was born literally on her due date always on time like her mother and it was just the most beautiful experience I literally gave birth got out of the bath went for a shower put makeup on blow dried my hair and went to go meet everyone and I was like here's my baby she was like four kilos and pink and chubby and beautiful her APGAR scores were amazing and then I had the twins and um, firstly, for someone who likes to be in control, for someone who uh, it was very codependent, and as we established in my uh, second podcast, I got my self-worth and my value from helping, healing, saving, and protecting other people, and the fact that I couldn't help, heal, protect, or save my own children was fucking hard. It was really hard. Anyway, so fast forward to them being three months old, I hadn't dealt with any of that trauma. I hadn't dealt with how I felt about their birth. And the thing that people always say, and I know that it comes from such a good place, but please don't ever say this. People would say to me, oh, well, as long as they're healthy, as long as they're healthy, I'm like, no shit. Janet, like, I know, yay, they're healthy, but I am still allowed to feel negative feelings about my birthing experience. Okay, yes, they're here and they're healthy and they're fine. That's not the be all and end all. At the end of the day, 
as a mother, you can still feel betrayed by your body. You can still feel disappointed in your birthing journey and still be grateful that you have a healthy child. Jesus, it's not one or the other. Fuck sakes. Anyway, that fucking blew my mind. The amount of people who said that to me, that it got to a point where I started saying, yes, that's great, but I am still battling with how they came into the world. Um, so they were three months old and I don't know what the fuck we were thinking, but we planned a trip to Cape Town because that's what you do when you have three kids under three, including three month old twins. And, um, as much as I absolutely love and adore my husband, he is absolutely fucking useless when it comes to helping to plan trips, schedule trips, pack for trips. So I was on my ace, packing for myself, packing for a body that I didn't recognize because nothing fit me right anymore. I had lost all my muscle. Uh, my legs were super duper skinny. I had these massive boobs from breastfeeding. I just didn't know what to do with myself. So I was packing for myself, which felt like I was packing for someone else. I was packing for Olivia, who at the time was three or just about to be three. And I was packing for three month old twins. Now, <laughs> the mothers who are listening are probably like, oh my God, because you don't just pack a bag, y'all. You don't just pack vests and baby grows. Firstly, you have to pack four outfits per day. And if you think that's a joke, don't have children. I'm not even joking. I'm talking three vests per day because they're going to vomit on two. Maybe even four because they're going to shit all over one. And then, of course, going to Cape Town, having four seasons in one day. So you need to have a fluffy baby grow for every day that you're there. You need to have a, a, you know, a light baby grow. You need to have a cutesy outfit for every day for when they meet the family. Then you need to have outfits for them to sleep in. It, guys, it's a fuck up. So that's clothes. Then we are to take camping mattresses and camper cots. We had to figure out what we were going to do with the pram and the car seats. We had to take bottles. We had to take sterilizers. We had to take breast pumps. We had to take baby monitors. Oh, God, I want to vomit just thinking about it. Hold on. I need wine. Quick, the antidote. Mm. Crisis. So you get the idea. I mean, I don't want to put you off children <laughs> for life, but... It's just, it's fuckery, okay? It's just chaos and fuckery. So we were in the car and my poor husband was chatting to me about what we were taking for the twins. He was like, yeah, like, I don't know how we're going to do the, the walk from the parking lot to the airplane. Are we going to have them in the baby Bjorn carriers or are we just going to have them in the car seats? oh shit, you can't take the car seats on the plane. So no, we have to put the car seats in with the luggage. So we have to have the baby born carriers. And as he was talking, I just, my body was like, eh. and we were in the car. And I honestly thought that I was having a heart attack. He didn't know what to do with himself. And that was the first panic attack. I had ever had 
And in hindsight, I should have known it was coming because for three or four days prior to the panic attack actually coming, I had this feeling of dread. And for anyone who asks me what having anxiety feels like, that for me is my biggest symptom. And that for me is also the easiest way to try and verbalize or to try and put a physical symptom to what I feel. And it's a feeling of imminent doom. And I know that sounds horrible. And it fucking is. Like, there's no other way to describe it. It feels like that feeling you get when something, you know something bad is about to happen. Or that feeling you get when you get that phone call to say that a family member has died. That feeling, but you have that constantly. And mine is in the pit of my stomach, right under my, under my sternum. And I'll have it for days, and eventually it will just culminate in either a panic attack or I can sometimes get rid of it and control it in other ways, especially now that I've been going to therapy and I'm doing more meditation. I can, I'd probably say half the time, get rid of it before it becomes a full-blown panic attack. So that was my first one. And I immediately phoned my older sister and I told her what had happened. And she said immediately, she said that is absolutely a panic attack. I hyperventilated. I could barely speak. I didn't know whether I wanted to be up or down or move or be held or be left alone. And what I thought lasted a minute or two, my husband told me after the fact lasted about 10 minutes. So you also lose, or I lose, all sense of time. So yeah, it's super fucking fun. For anyone who, who hasn't had one, um, I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would not recommend. You straight up do not have a good time when you're having one of these. But at the same time, you have to take it from whence it comes and realize that that is your body's way of trying to communicate to you that your body is not able to effectively process something that it is dealing with and there are various you know symptoms and there are various um, triggers that we'll get into but if you can learn what your most common triggers are it is really it's actually a beautiful thing it's a very helpful tool in trying to be more mentally healthy and trying to be more in tune with your body and not allowing these things to happen. I, for one, I know now that one of my biggest triggers is lack of sleep. I didn't realize at the time, I mean, hello, I had three-month-old twins, duh, I was fucked up sleep-deprived. But because your body releases hormones after you have a baby that physically help you deal with the sleep deprivation which is why the mothers deal with it a lot better than the fathers, by the way. You don't feel it. You really don't feel it. I And also, like, I felt like a fucking hero, man. Like, people would see me in the shops. I'd go shopping by myself with the twins and Livy. And I've had, I would have people come up to me and go, Oh, my God, super mom, look at you. And I'd be like, oh, thanks. Because, obviously, I got my self-worth from what other people thought of me. And I just kind of thought, well, if this is the facade that I've put up and this is the role that I've stepped into, I kind of have to keep it up now. I kind of have to keep this mask on and keep pretending that I'm okay. 
yeah, well, that worked right up until I had a fucking full-blown fanny wobble in the car. But, uh, yeah, oh, my poor husband, that poor man. He didn't fucking know what to do with himself. Anyway, so that was my first one. I've had a couple since. Um, most of the time, I'll try and just get myself to a safe place because I'm very loud. When I have a panic attack, it literally sounds like I'm dying. And it's not a fun thing to witness. And I feel like having people around me doesn't actually help. It makes it worse. So I'll excuse myself. I can feel it coming most of the time. I can excuse myself. Um, I remember the one morning we were on our way to CrossFit. And sorry, Zhuang, but my husband lost his temper at someone in the traffic, but in a big way. And nearly got out the car and he was screaming and carrying on and I could just feel it like bubbling up. And I kept it under control because my kids were in the car and the last thing I wanted was for them to see that. We managed to drop them off and we got back in the car and I could still feel it was just there. And Zhuang was like, maybe going into CrossFit and seeing everyone will help. Ugh bad idea so blind I literally walked in and I saw all my people and I was like this is a bad idea and someone was still talking to me and I just made a beeline for the bathroom and yeah proceeded to have like a 10 minute panic attack where I was hyperventilating and making these really weird noises and I had my coach at the door knocking, like asking if I was okay. I had so many people worried about me. Apparently the whole class outside could hear me having this meltdown, which is super. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I haven't had them frequently and I haven't had one in ages. I probably haven't had one in probably eight months, nine months. Um, I did almost have one after one of the president's addresses the one night I think it was when we went to level five lockdown and I said to my husband I can feel I'm gonna have a panic attack and I went and I took I think I took an urbanol and that calmed me down and by urbanol I mean thallium but my husband doesn't know so yeah I took an <clears throat> urbanol you know all natural guys and that helped and I ended up not having one so anyway fast forward to this weekend and uh, funny thing is I had no idea I had no idea it was coming I wasn't feeling anxious I didn't have that feeling of dread nothing 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 and strangely enough I spoke to my best friend this morning and she also had one on Friday and hers also came out of nowhere so like, I don't know, is Mercury in retrograde again? Is this just a 2020 thing? I'd fucked if I know. But anyway, so Saturday we had some family and friends over and we started at about two in the afternoon and I really hadn't even had that much to drink. So I can't even blame it on that. I think I had, I was on my third glass of champagne by this stage. It was six o'clock. We were about to eat. And that is pretty much the last thing I remember. I do not remember walking upstairs. I do not remember lying down on my bed. And the next thing that I remember was I could hear everyone calling for me. So what I learned after the fact is that it had been about 45 minutes that no one could find me. 
everyone had looked, everyone was calling. I'd had three people come into the bedroom where I was, but because of the way I was lying on the bed and because of the pillows and the clothes on the bed, they couldn't actually see me. I could hear the people coming into the room. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. And for a little while there, I actually couldn't see. Which was probably one of the most terrifying things that has ever happened to me. I really, really, and I know that people won't believe this unless you've been there, but I really thought that I was going to die. I was lying there and all I could think was, I hope that it's not one of my kids that find me because I'm going to be dead. That was all I could think. And I was just lying there and I was like, please, can someone find me? Please, can someone find me? My husband walked around the complex. He apparently went to the gate and asked if I'd left a letter <laughs> because he thought that I had left, like left, left. He was like, I thought you had gone to buy milk and you were never coming back. I asked if there was a letter for me. I was like, you idiot. What? <laughs> like, of all the things you could think, really. Anyway, and eventually, um, my older sister, Tash, she came into the room and she put the light on and she found me and that poor woman, I think I probably aged her 10 years because I think she thought I was having a stroke at first because I couldn't move. I couldn't squeeze her fingers. The tear, all I could do was cry. The tears were literally like streaming down my face, like onto the pillow. And that's all I could do. And um, I don't blame her at all, but she ran to the stairs and she shouted, something's wrong, something's wrong. And oh, my kids came into the room and they saw me like that, which is still something that we're working through. Olivia especially is very traumatized. And if anyone listened to my second podcast where I speak about when I saw my mother after she attempted suicide, all I can think now is, is this going to be Livy's memory of me that she speaks to her therapist about in 20 years? Like, what a fail. Which I know is ridiculous, and I know that I didn't do it intentionally. But it is still something that we have to deal with and we have to work through. I am seeing my therapist on Wednesday, so I will speak to her about what she thinks we should do. Because Livy had a nightmare last night and in her nightmare she couldn't move or speak or see. So it's clearly something that's now like still upset her. Um, but yeah, so my sister called her husband who is a trained paramedic. He came in and between the two of them they established that it was a panic attack with paralysis which... <laughs> As if panic attacks aren't bad enough. In 2020, they paralyze you, apparently. Like, are you fucking... Are you, are you, are you joking? Are you joking? Oh, okay, let's have some wine. Fuck. Anyway. So, my sister tried to calm down my breathing. Because... I was hyperventilating like a motherfucker. Because I literally thought that I had had a stroke and I was dying 
and she just lay next to me and just said like try and breathe with me try and breathe with me eventually my breathing calmed down uh my husband came upstairs from his little um, treasure hunt to try and find me after he thought I'd abandoned him with three kids. He eventually found us and what he did was he actually lay on top of me with his full body weight. And he's not a small guy. He's like 90 kilos and he literally just lay on top of me. And it actually helped so much. It was so different to every other panic attack I've had. If someone tried to do that while I was having a normal panic attack, I'd punch them. But that was so comforting to me. I think it's because I couldn't see and I couldn't like feel my own body, if that makes sense. That to have him on top of me kind of brought me back into the physical space. Eventually, I was able to squeeze Tasha's finger. I was able to open my eyes. What I thought was 10 minutes was an hour that it took to bring me out of it and Botox sorry my Sharpe is barking at something and um yeah it, and after I came out of it I was absolutely fucked I got up I still washed my face Mom, be proud. I still washed my face. I can only remember twice in my life ever going to sleep without washing my face because it was drummed into me that you always wash your face. So here I was, literally like stumbled to the bathroom, did a really half-cocked job, but I still washed my face and got into bed at eight o'clock and slept hard until about four the next morning. And then I was quite restless and my muscles were all sore, obviously from tensing. Yesterday was a write-off. I was absolutely exhausted. I spent the day just chilling and I listened to a few Mark Groves podcasts because I have been neglecting my podcasts and my meditation and my mindfulness, if I am honest. And I tried to just reflect on where this came from and why there was no warning because it terrifies me now that that is something that could happen without me knowing it's coming. You know, you start to think like, what if next time I'm driving or I don't know, what if I'm in the middle of a workout with a barbell above my head or what if I'm in a shopping center with my kids or all these things start you know, going through your mind and you almost don't trust your own body, which is, which is quite horrible if I'm honest. But the silver lining is that I don't remember walking upstairs and I don't remember going and lying on the bed. And I think that that was my body taking me to a safe space because my body knew what was about to happen. So I just have to have faith and trust in the fact that if this does happen again, which I fucking hope it doesn't, my body will take me to a safe place. And in terms of the reason why it happened, I have had a lot of emotional stress lately. I think the lockdown has been incredibly tough on everyone, which doesn't make me special, but also doesn't make it any less important or any less relevant or any less valid. So yes, just because everyone else is struggling doesn't mean that no one is. And 
I homeschooled my kids for four months. I couldn't train at CrossFit, which is a massive part of my life. I couldn't see my tribe, my CrossFit friends that I used to sit and chat to every day. My life was turned upside down, just like everyone else's. But clearly, I wasn't coping as well as I initially thought. And another thing that I think was a huge factor was I have not been sleeping well the past few weeks. My husband went in for a sinus operation and I've been sleeping on the couch for the last two weeks and it's not a great sleep. I wake up during the nights and I'm disoriented and I forget where I am and I I kind of have to remind myself, okay, no, fuck, I'm in the TV room. And the fact that I went to my bed before this panic attack, that is clearly where I deem to be a safe space, which, and my husband actually raised this and he said, and you haven't been sleeping in your safe space. What does that do to a person? Which I didn't really think about until he brought it up. Clever boy. And I think that is a huge part of it. And if I think back to every other panic attack that I've had, there has been some kind of lack of sleep or sleep deprivation or a loss of quality of sleep or change in sleep environment or something like that. So I do think that that is one of my biggest triggers. As much as I don't feel tired or I don't feel the effect so much during the day because I am such a busy, like energetic, you know, out there kind of person, my body is like, fuck you. So that's my intro. What are we on? Fuck me, 30-minute intro. Okay, no, that's not my intro. Sorry, that literally cannot be an intro. But I figured what better way to deal with this and, you know, how cathartic would it be to just speak about anxiety and to try and dispel the taboo around it and to admit, to graciously and openly admit that I was one of those judgmental pricks back in the day. And it took me becoming someone who suffers from them to be able to empathize and understand people who struggle with them and hopefully help you guys. And you know what? Make you feel fucking normal. Like, really. Oh, that reminds me what my mother said on Saturday night. (laughs) So my mom, I love you, mom. Um... She, you know, like your, you know, your, your filter between your brain and your mouth. Yeah, my mom doesn't have one of those. Neither do I, but like, who's, who's, who's bad? Who's like bad, bad. And, uh, I struggle with, uh, panic attacks. My older sister has panic attacks. And more recently, my younger sister has also, um, suffered with panic attacks, probably because she's studying medicine and is smarter than, the rest of us put together but and she feels a lot of pressure on her but I can't speak for her but anyway so all three of us have panic attacks that's kind of the point and uh my mom has never had one and (laughs) we were sitting well sitting I was lying in a ball on the bed on Saturday night and I was still kind of coming out of it and you know people around me were starting to kind of have conversation about where they thought this came from and what they thought the triggers were another potential trigger I think although don't feel bad guys is this podcast only because it is bringing up a lot of stuff for me that I haven't necessarily previously dealt with and I am being forced to face my childhood traumas and my emotional triggers and 
objectively criticize myself basically um in a loving way but i mean i still kind of sometimes i like get a little bit butthurt with myself but that might also be a reason so actually in a roundabout way it's your fault that this happened um i'm just kidding so yeah my, back to my mother so we were sitting and i was kind of coming out of it and tash was stroking my hair and my husband was still lying on top of me <laughs> sorry <clears throat> anyway and um my mom goes Yes, guys, you know, I wish I could actually have one of these so that I can see if you guys are just being a bunch of pussies or not. I'm just going to take a sip of wine and just let that, uh, let that sink in. My mother, ladies and gentlemen. I was like, and you wonder why I'm so fucked up. Like, I... I know she like, it comes from a place of love. It always does with her. But I was like, Jesus, really? 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 That's like saying to a paraplegic, like, I wish I could just be paraplegic just to see, like, if it's as, like, difficult as you make it out to be. No. Oh. Anyway, be that as it may. So the point of today, and I did want to keep this short, but guess what, motherfuckers? It's not going to happen. So strap in. The point of today is to, if you have anxiety, help you understand it a little bit better and help you understand how normal it actually is and how common it actually is. If you don't struggle with anxiety, I still want you to listen to this because you will have someone in your family or in your friend circle who does. I'm not even saying might, I'm saying will. And you don't want to be the cunt muffin who's like, aren't you just being a pussy? So learn a little something, okay? So obviously to have an anxiety attack or to have a panic attack, you have to have anxiety. Whether you have an anxiety disorder or whether you just have anxiety surrounding a certain area, event or situation in your life, is person dependence. You might have ongoing anxiety as a disorder in your life that you live with every day and you function with, or you might have anxiety because you have to get up in front of 300 people and do a presentation. And the thought of public speaking makes you want to bath. That could also bring on anxiety and even an anxiety attack, even if you don't struggle normally with anxiety. So You have to understand that we're not just talking about people who have ongoing disorders, although that is also completely normal. And I mean, it's kind of cool. You can be like, I have a disorder. Okay. The one thing that everyone needs to understand is that anxiety is completely normal. It is normal to have anxiety. When When it gets to the point where you are throwing up or you are having a a panic attack or you are going paralyzed. Clearly that's not fucking everyday normal, but having anxiety to a certain degree is normal. I don't know why or where it went wrong that having anxiety in any way, shape or form and verbalizing it shows weakness. Where the, who the fuck came up with that bullshit? I would like to know. Because that is the most backwards concept in the world. And I know that because I was one of those fuckers. And look where that landed me. Yeah, exactly. 
it is normal. It is a normal reaction to danger. And what people, what I don't think people understand is that it's, it's your body's automatic response. It's not something that you can control or predict or change with your brain or with your mind. This is your body's automatic fight or flight response. Or add or freeze in there. Fight or flight or freeze response. And when is it triggered? As I said, it can either be an ongoing disorder or it can simply be triggered when you feel threatened when you feel under pressure, even when you're facing a challenging situation, something like a job interview, guys, an exam, a first date. Okay, although no one has those anymore. You just fucking swipe right or swipe left and hoy into the bed with someone. But, you know, if you have a first date, because predominantly nowadays we don't do that anymore and we don't know how to actually speak to another fucking human being across a table there might be a lot of anxiety surrounding that. Oh, sorry. The thought of dating. Jesus, I need to have more wine. Hold on. Ugh. Anyway. So, as I said, in moderation, guys, anxiety is not necessarily a bad thing. And as I said previously, and what it has done for me, is it can actually help you to... Stay alert, stay aware, stay focused, stay in tune with your body, what you are feeling. In some instances, it can even, it can actually spur you to action. Somewhere where you wouldn't necessarily take action, your anxiety can actually be the driving force that you need to actually kick you up the ass and spur you into action or motivate you to solve a problem. So it isn't always necessarily a bad thing. But when it is constant or overwhelming or both in some instances, when that anxiety, when that feeling of dread or whatever your specific symptoms of anxiety might be, when that overwhelms you, when it interferes with your relationships with your daily life, with your ability to carry out everyday tasks, that is where you could have potentially crossed a line from normal, in inverted commas, because what the fuck is normal, especially in 2020, hello, but you have then crossed the line from your normal anxiety into potentially having either debilitating episodes of anxiety or an anxiety disorder which guys it's not a bad thing okay that d word is not (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i have such a filthy mind (laughs) that d word is not dirty but i can think of one that is anyway oh sorry just have some more wine God, I hope no one over 60 is listening to this. Okay. So, again, since anxiety disorders are a group of related, loosely related conditions and symptoms, 
rather than a single disorder. Symptoms can vary from person to person. So as I said, one person can suffer from intense anxiety attacks that strike without warning, while someone else can get panicky at the thought of going to a party. <laughs> Maya, are you listening? And they can have that for days before this party or days before this event. Um, I mean, my best friend, her biggest fear for her wedding is walking down an aisle and having everyone look at her and having her be the center of attention. When I got married, I was like, bitch, look at me. Like, is everyone looking? No, no, no. Oh, what is that person doing? Are they looking? Yes. Okay. Can I go? Can I go now? Is everyone watching? Yes. Okay. And strut. That was me. And here you have my best friend who's like, Sheena, I don't know. I think maybe we're just going to elope because the thought of everyone looking at me when I walk down the aisle makes me want to vomit. <laughs> I was like, firstly, have you seen what you look like? If I was getting married and I had your body, I'd be naked. But it just shows how different situations create anxiety for different people. And guys, it's normal. It's normal. If you are a new mom with a baby and you are struggling and you have anxiety around leaving the house or going on holiday or having family over or what your body looks like or a combination of all of those things, it's fucking normal. I'm so tired of people being ashamed of having anxiety. When did this happen? And don't tell me that it's not true because y'all know it's true. Being anxious and telling, sharing with people that you are feeling anxious and you don't know why and you're just having a little bit of a moment, that shows weakness or it is perceived to show weakness doesn't if anything i've i now respect people who do that and i honestly feel that being able to verbalize and share your emotions and trusting someone else to hold space for you and respect how you're feeling that is the fucking sexiest thing that you can do i'm sorry like and the people that i have in my life now are so good for me when it comes to that. My best friend is just, oh my God, if I swung that way, I would have married her guys. I'm just saying, but, and my husband is getting so much better at doing that. Like just hold space for me. Like, yes, I'm feeling anxious because of A, B and C. No, I don't want you to fix it. No, I don't want you to try and take it away. I just want you to acknowledge how I'm feeling acknowledge that I'm not perfect and that you love me anyway and just hold space for me and just say I'm really sorry you're feeling that way is there anything I can do I love you I'm here for you it's that easy guys it's really that easy so everyone struggles with anxiety to a certain degree. And if you feel like this podcast isn't speaking to you, as I said, I can promise you can close your eyes right now and think of someone in your family or friend circle who it does apply to. Now, do I have an anxiety disorder? Okay, there's seven questions or seven signs and symptoms. If you have any of these, 
And here's the, the catch. They won't go away. They just won't go away. You may be suffering from an anxiety disorder. Now, I, you know I love my online questionnaires. Which Disney princess are you? If you were a nail polish color, what color would you be? I love that kind of shit. But this one, mm, like, I don't know. Do I have an anxiety disorder? Honestly, I think you're the only person who can answer that. Or a therapist, maybe. Sorry. Um, but here are the questions, okay? Just for interest sake. Just so you can kind of put yourself on the, on the scale of like zero to... I need to check myself into port view. Okay, number one. Are you constantly tense, worried, or on edge? I think all of us would say yes to that one but anyway number two does your anxiety interfere with your work school or family responsibilities that's a very important one are you plagued by fears that you know are irrational but still can't shake such as the example i told you about about my best friend where she was like i'm i like i can't stop thinking about walking down the aisle and having all these people stare at me and judging me and I was like but best those are your nearest and dearest family and friends how on where how would you on what planet would you think that we would judge you and she was like no 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 I know it's crazy I know it's crazy but I still can't shake the fear so that's a perfect example of that one do you believe that something bad will happen if certain things aren't done a certain way so OCD is actually loosely characterized as an anxiety disorder. And that is kind of an OCD question. But to the point where if I don't turn the light on three times, my whole family is going to be murdered in their sleep. That's, that's what we're talking about. Like I have a thing... I have to have every crack in the curtains closed at night before we go to bed. And my darling husband will get up and will literally close the cracks in the curtains. Because I genuinely believe that if he doesn't, we are all going to be killed in the middle of the night. And I know that sounds bat shit motherfucking crazy. I know. I've never actually said it out loud though. Oh my God. That is so crazy. But that is just how I feel. Okay. So just don't judge me. Do you avoid everyday situations or activities because they cause you anxiety? Number six, do you experience sudden unexpected attacks of heart pounding panic? Oh, don't you hate that feeling? Oh, where it's so bad. Like you mock charge. You're like, oh, I get those all the time. And number seven, do you feel like danger and let's try that again. Do you feel like danger and catastrophe are around every corner? Guys, it's 2020. Just ignore that one because danger and catastrophe are around every motherfucking corner. Okay. Anyway, the signs and symptoms of anxiety. So this I spoke about previously and this differs from person to person. I'm going to just run through them. So if after those seven questions, you're like, mm, I'm feeling myself. <laughs> Maybe I'm more fucked up than I thought. Do you have any of these? Let's see. So in addition to 
so there's obviously the primary symptom of having that excessive and irrational fear and worry constantly. Um, there are other common emotional symptoms, right? Which are feelings of apprehension or dread, which is what I described earlier, that horrible pit of your stomach feeling where you actually feel like you have vomit and something horrific is about to happen. That feeling? Mm, that, that, that feeling. Uh, watching for signs of danger, anticipating the worst. I feel personally attacked by that one. Uh, trouble concentrating, feeling tense and jumpy, irritability, feeling like your mind's gone blank. Okay. Those are emotional symptoms, but over and above the emotional symptoms, you do also have physical symptoms. And this is a product of the body's fight or flight or freeze i'd like to add in there which we'll get into uh, a little bit later but you can also have a pounding heart sweating headaches upset stomach dizziness shortness of breath muscle tension or twitches shaking or trembling insomnia and honestly because of this a lot of people think that they have another medical condition when it is actually undiagnosed anxiety disorder. And I mean, you can go to the doctor or the hospital and say, I am dizzy, I have headaches, I have shortness of breath, I can't sleep, and they'll send you for an MRI. Meanwhile, it's anxiety. So if I can help diagnose one person, my job here will be done. So that is anxiety, right? Now, if your anxiety goes untreated, unchecked, ignored, unmedicated in extreme situations, but we won't go into that because I'm not a doctor, you can, not will, you can end up having an anxiety attack, which is basically just where that anxiety has built up and you have an episode of intense panic or fear. They usually occur, as I've said before, suddenly and most of the time without warning, although if you learn what your specific early signs and symptoms are, you can sometimes have a window. Look, on Saturday, I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on, but usually I, I know what my, my trigger is, which is lack of sleep. And I can feel it coming on for a few days before it does actually come on. Now, the symptoms of an actual anxiety attack can include, and this list is long, surge of overwhelming panic, feeling of losing control or going crazy, heart palpitations or chest pain, feeling like you're going to pass out, trouble breathing or choking sensation, hyperventilation, hot flashes or chills, trembling and shaking, nausea or stomach cramps, feeling detached or feeling unreal, which is basically where you literally like detach from the space around you, which is so great. So I think you guys can see and can understand that the symptoms vary greatly, greatly. I know my best friend, when she has a panic attack, she paces the house and she'll have one that lasts like an hour. She'll pace the house and she'll take all her clothes off. <laughs> Sorry, Maya. And and she just strips because she gets so hot. And she just strips and she like lies on the f tiles 
and just hyperventilates and her fiance just watches uh, the Grand Prix and carries on. And that's how she deals. So every person is different. But what I'm trying to get across is that it's all normal and it's all okay. The one thing that I know is mostly common, especially when you don't know what's happening to you or when it is a very intense panic attack, is you legitimately, honest to God, think you are dying. And that is probably the most traumatic part is you you almost know what's happening there is a part of your brain and a part of you that knows what's happening because you've been there before and you are aware of what is going on but your body literally tries to convince you that you are dying because your body thinks it is dying that is why it goes into fight, flight, or freeze. It is trying to survive. It literally goes into survival mode. And your mind and your body almost work against each other, which is also very scary because they're supposed to be like, supposed to be one. They're supposed to be synchronized and they're just, it's, they're misfiring. They're just not. They're completely different pages. And your mind is saying one thing and your body is doing another. And you're like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. We're dying. Oh, all right. I'll just, I'll just try and stay calm. And then you hyperventilate more and you freak out more because the more you try and control it, the more you can't. And it's a little bit of a catch 22. And that brings me to the the physical paralysis like symptoms which guys fuck me i did not know this was a thing until saturday night okay if you had told me that you can go paralyzed from having a panic attack i would have laughed at you but uh i was there and it was fucking scary and the reason for this and i've been doing a lot of research since saturday but i'm gonna try and summarize because we're sitting on 54 minutes. Fuck. Mm. Is everyone talks about fights and flights. No one talks about freeze. <laughs> Which is a thing. It is a thing. So, yeah. People often talk about fights or flight response because anxiety and uh, anxiety attacks are directly linked to that response. But... For some lucky people like me, it is not as simple as fight or flight. For some people, they experience a drive to either fight, flight, or freeze, depending on the situation and depending on the perceived threat or danger to your body and mind. The, the analogy that I read about on uh, Saturday... Oh, sorry, on Sunday. Sorry, yesterday. Fuck. Someone get me a calendar. The analogy that I read about is deer in headlights. So I'm sure everyone has heard that saying, but just to kind of refresh your memory, when a deer is about to get hit by a car, it doesn't run or fight in any way. It literally freezes, okay? Which is dumb as fuck. But apparently, so do I. So that freezing... Even though it's not the best course of action, right? I mean, a car is literally 
hurtling towards you and you're going to freeze in the middle of the road. It's actually, and I didn't know this, it's an evolutionary adaption because in nature and for some animals, sometimes remaining perfectly still, freeze, minimizes your chances of being spotted and eaten by a predator. It actually minimizes your risk. And remember, an anxiety attack or panic attack is all about feeling like you're in danger. So it's actually so amazing. How, what a beautiful thing to now understand this, that my body felt like it was in absolute danger. It took me literally unconsciously, subconsciously, whatever, to a safe space. And then I froze like a deer on the bed. I was like, <laughs> not going to move. Then the lion can't eat me. That was how my body responded to the perceived danger that I was in. Yes, I wasn't in fucking danger. We know this already. Okay. We've covered that. But that is how my body responded. And that makes so much sense because this response is not limited to deer many many animals do it and guess what so do humans so if you're faced with extreme fear or panic or perceived danger and you feel like you can't move at all guess what lucky you that's the freeze response and that is what happened to me on saturday night which is also why i couldn't speak Fuck knows why I couldn't see. That was a doozy. But I, my body went into freeze. My body was like, no, done, shut down, bye. I'm done. And it doesn't take away from how traumatic it was, but at least I now understand what the fuck was happening because there is nothing more terrifying than telling your body to do something and it just doesn't. I had my drink spiked at an FHM party Good God, how many years ago are we talking? 13 years ago? 14 years ago? And it felt exactly the same. Exactly the same. I remember vomiting in my bathroom that night. I remember lying on the cold tiles because it felt nice on my face. And I remember not being able to get up or call for Shuang. Yes, I was already with Shuang back then fucking hell in this same house and he eventually found me whimpering on the bathroom floor and picked me up in my dress and all and put me in bed and that ladies and gentlemen is one of the two times in my life that I didn't wash my face see how that story came full circle and I didn't even plan that how beautiful oh anyway so you have anxiety lucky you what now Drink lots of alcohol. Have all of the sex. I'm just kidding. Connect with others. First thing. Connect with others. As much as you feel like you don't want to. Connect with others. And I will add to that. And say connect with others who understand you. And who hold space for you. If you don't understand what the term hold space means, because I say it all the time. And the other day, Zhuang turned around and he's like, babe, 
You say this all the time in your podcast, but you don't fucking explain what it means. What do you mean hold space? Hold, you can't hold, you can't, you literally cannot hold space. It's an oxymoron. <laughs> it's like, so hold space just means that you are allowing someone else a safe emotional space to share how they feel without judgment, consequence, or reaction. So you don't try and fix it. You don't try and give opinion. You don't try and give advice unless it is asked for. If the person specifically says, I am battling with this, please help me by giving me advice. Please help me by giving me a hug. Whatever the case may be, then fine. But if not, holding space just means what I imagine is, and this might be completely wrong, but this is what I envision is if you are holding an empty bag that you have the capacity, you have the strength and the capacity and the time to hold that bag while someone else fills it. And you're not going to complain about how heavy the bag gets because you chose to have that bag there. You're not going to try and rush them for time and be like, listen, fill this bag quicker. You just stand there and you let them fill this bag. And you don't ask what you must do with the bag once it's full. You don't try and give it back to them. You don't try and give it to someone else. You don't ask them if you can sell it. You just hold it. Fuck, that's a good analogy. I mean, even if I say so myself. So, my love, I hope. That helps you understand what I mean when I say, please, can you hold space for me? Just go and grab a black bag and hold it in front of you and let me fill it with stuff. Okay, second thing to do, manage your stress levels. <laughs> oh, never mind. Next one. Oh, oh, that was funny. Practice relaxation techniques. Okay. Guys, I cannot tell you when I started being a bit of a puss when it came to my mindfulness and my meditation, that's when the shit hit the fan. I was literally doing five to 10 minutes a day. And at the time of doing them, I was like, oh, this is not helping. This is like, my mind would like wander off and I'd have to like bring it back. And I'm like, this is boring. And when I stopped doing that, Everything went for a ball of shit. So I'm starting to believe a little bit more in relaxation techniques. And another one that, that kind of fit into each other is exercise. So I was going to say yoga is part of relaxation techniques, but I guess that overlaps into exercise as well. So another one is exercise regularly. I know for a fact that me not exercising and not training had a massive impact on me having this huge panic attack. I had a, a big tattoo done on my arm on Wednesday and I am choosing not to train because it is the inside of my arm and I know that anything I do is going to chafe and it's extremely delicate line work and it's very scabbed and I don't want those scabs to come off and I don't want to damage the tattoo. So I know that in the long run it'll be worth it but I didn't think about the impact it would have on my mental health and my emotional well-being. So <laughs> my bad. Uh, I did go back to training today I am part of a group training to do the half iron next year. 
Ooh, I've said it now in a podcast, Tash and Cam. Now I'm fucked. Now I have to do it. Mm, more wine. Hold on. Fuck, no going back now. This is why you don't agree to shit when you've had too many drinks, guys. So I did an eight kilometer run this morning. And I'm already feeling a million times better. So regular exercise does help. Next one, get enough sleep. <laughs> Y'all. I know because that was my biggest trigger that not getting enough sleep and not getting good quality sleep. You can sleep for eight hours, but it can be shit and restless and interrupted. That is not good quality sleep. You need good quality sleep as well. So I, I know that that's one of my biggest ones. So look at how much sleep you're getting. Be smart about caffeine, alcohol, and nicotine. Alcohol? Who wants to be smart about alcohol? Fuck that. No, but seriously, if you do struggle with anxiety and anyone who has struggled long term will know that reducing your caffeine intake, reducing your alcohol and reducing your nicotine, because nicotine is actually a stimulant <laughs> that leads to higher, not lower levels of anxiety, although smoking seems calming to the people who do it in the short term, it's actually not. Do your research as my older sister would say. And uh, put a stop to chronic worrying. I don't even know if that's relevant to put in because it's 2020 and with Rona and everything else going on, I feel like <laughs> chronic worrying is like everyone's day job at the moment. But you need to try. You need to try and cut down your worrying. Um, another thing that helps me is journaling. I just write. Just write. I either write to myself I, I do whatever comes to me in the moment and after the fact it doesn't make sense half the time. I'm not talking about a pretty diary that you keep and read a year from now and you're like, oh my god, a year ago on Sunday we went for a picnic. No, I mean write whatever the fuck comes to mind. I will sometimes write to myself while I'm having a panic attack. So I'll be like, dear past Sheena. And I will write to my, I will say all the things that I either wish someone else would have said to me during the panic attack, or I write down all the things that I, that I thought to myself during the panic attack. And then the next time I have one, I rethink all of those things. Or I'll write to my future self, dear Sheena in six months. And I'll be like, I'm so sorry that the Saturday, the what the fuck was the date on Saturday? I don't know. The 14th of August or whatever was a really bad day. You had a panic attack. Just know that it does get better. You know, and I, it sounds so bizarre, but it really, really, really helps. I cannot explain to you how much journaling helps. Talking about it helps, guys. Like, as I said, guys, everyone is fucked up. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just stop pretending, okay? Let's just stop Filtering our lives, filtering what we tell people, be all in. Botox! Fuck. Be all in. Everyone is fucked up as the next person, but we are all in this together. And the only way we're going to get through this is with each other. Anxiety is a bitch, but everyone struggles with it. Everyone does to a certain extent. And especially with the lives that we live today, the stresses that we have today, the things that we have to deal with today, 
on top of normal life, normal modern day life being so stressful and so fast paced, now we're dealing with a worldwide pandemic, we're dealing with lockdown, we're dealing with people losing their jobs, losing their loved ones. It is tough, guys. It is so tough. And you need to lean on the people around you, yes, but you need to fucking lean on yourself first and foremost. You need to acknowledge where you need work, where you need to focus, where you need to love yourself more and be more gentle with yourself. (laughs) Not like that. Anyway. Sorry, I just fucking lost my train of thought. What is wrong with me? You'd think I don't get sex, but I do. Anyway. Just be kind to yourselves. Guys, this is a really, really tough world to be alive in. And I'm here for you. I'm here to chew your ear off every week. But... Please, guys, reach out. I've had so many people send me messages on Instagram and you guys don't understand how much that means to me. I've had three people apologize and be like, I'm so sorry to send you this message, but fuck you, don't apologize. Send me a message. Be in your truth. Stop apologizing for who you are and how you feel. If you are appreciative or if you're grateful to someone for something, whether you don't know them or you know them well, Just tell them, what have you got to lose? Stop apologizing for how you feel, really. And if that person doesn't receive it, well, you know what? That's their problem, not yours. So basically, I'm asking for shout outs on Instagram to make me feel good about myself. No, I'm just kidding. Guys, that's it from me. What are we on? Oh my God. Fuck, hour nine minutes. Guys, this seems to be my average. This seems to be my batting average. Like a one hour five, one hour ten... Know what I'm saying? Your girl can go for long. Mm-hmm. God, I might have to cut that out. Anyway, guys, this weekend was a shit show. But you know what? I listened to Mark Rose podcast yesterday. And the one thing that he said was, what a beautiful thing to hit rock bottom. Because when you're at rock bottom, where else can you go but up? And I thought that was so beautiful. And I hope someone needed to hear that. I'm sending you guys so much love, so much profanity, so much sarcasm. And until next time, be brave, be messy, and be real. Always. Cheers, fuckers.